Chapter Seventeen of Pushing to the Front by Horizon Sweat Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen If You Can Talk Well. When Charles W. Eliot was president of Harvard, he said, I recognize but one mental acquisition as an essential part of the education of a lady or gentleman, namely, an accurate and refined use of the mother tongue. Sir Walter Scott defined a good conversationalist as one who has ideas, who reads, thinks, listens, and who has therefore something to say. There is no other one thing which enables us to make so good an impression, especially upon those who do not know us thoroughly as the ability to converse well. To be a good conversationalist, able to interest people, to rivet their attention, to draw them to you naturally, by the very superiority of your conversational ability, is to be the possessor of a very great accomplishment, one which is superior to all others. It not only helps you to make a good impression upon strangers, it also helps you to make and keep friends. It opens doors and softens hearts. It makes you interesting in all sorts of company. It helps you to get on in the world. It sends you clients, patients, customers. It helps you into the best society, even though you are poor. A man who can talk well, who has the art of putting things in an attractive way, who can interest others immediately by his power of speech, has a very great advantage over one who may know more than he, but who cannot express himself with ease or eloquence. No matter how expert you may be in any other art or accomplishment, you cannot use your expertness always and everywhere as you can the power to converse well. If you are a musician, no matter how talented you may be, or how many years you may have spent in perfecting yourself in your specialty, or how much it may have cost you. Only comparatively few people can ever hear or appreciate your music. You may be a fine singer, and yet travel around the world without having an opportunity of showing your accomplishment, or without anyone guessing your specialty. But wherever you go, and in whatever society you are, no matter what your station in life may be, you talk. You may be a painter, you may have spent years with great masters, and yet, unless you have very marked ability, so that your pictures are hung in the salons or in the great art galleries, comparatively few people will ever see them. But if you are an artist in conversation, Everyone who comes in contact with you will see your life picture, which you have been painting ever since you began to talk. Everyone knows whether you are an artist or a bungler. In fact, you may have a great many accomplishments which people occasionally see or enjoy, and you may have a very beautiful home and a lot of property which comparatively few people ever know about. But if you are a good converser, Everyone with whom you talk will feel the influence of your skill and charm. 
a noted society leader, who has been very successful in the launching of debutante in society, always gives this advice to her protégés. Talk, talk. It does not matter much what you say, but chatter away lightly and gaily. Nothing embarrasses and bores the average man so much as a girl who has to be entertained. There is a helpful suggestion in this advice. The way to learn to talk is to talk. The temptation for people who are unaccustomed to society, who feel diffident, is to say nothing themselves and listen to what others say. Good talkers are always sought after in society. Everybody wants to invite Mrs. So-and-so to dinners or receptions because she is such a good talker. She entertains. She may have many defects, but people enjoy her society because she can talk well. Conversation, if used as an educator, is a tremendous power developer. But talking without thinking, without an effort to express oneself with clearness, conciseness, or efficiency, mere chattering or gossiping, the average society small talk will never get hold of the best thing in a man. It lies too deep for such superficial effort. Thousands of young people who envy such of their mates as are getting on faster than they are keep on wasting their precious evenings and their half-holidays, saying nothing but the most frivolous, frothy, senseless things, things which do not rise to the level of humour, but the foolish, silly talk which demoralises one's ambition, lowers one's ideals and all the standards of life because it begets habits of superficial and senseless thinking. On the streets, on the cars and in public places, loud, coarse voices are heard in light, flippant, slipshod speech, in coarse, slang expressions. You're talking through your hat. Search me. You just bet. Well, that's the limit. I hate that man. He gets on my nerves. And a score of other such vulgarities we often hear. Nothing else will indicate your fineness or coarseness of culture, your breeding or lack of it, so quickly as your conversation. It will tell your whole life story. What you say and how you say it will betray all your secrets, will give the world your true measure. There is no accomplishment, no attainment, which you can use so constantly and effectively which will give you so much pleasure to your friends as fine conversation. There is no doubt that the gift of language was intended to be a much greater accomplishment than the majority of us have ever made of it. Most of us are bunglers in our conversation because we do not make an art of it. We do not take the trouble or pains to learn to talk well. We do not read enough or think enough. Most of us express ourselves in sloppy, slipshod English, because it is so much easier to do so than it is to think before we speak, to make it effort to express ourselves with elegance, ease, and power. Poor conversers excuse themselves for not trying to improve by saying that good talkers are born, not made. 
we might as well say that good lawyers, good physicians, or good merchants are born, not made. None of them would ever get very far without hard work. This is the price of all achievement that is of value. Many a man owes his advancement very largely to his ability to converse well, the ability to interest people in your conversation, to hold them, is a great power. The man who has a bungling expression, who knows a thing but never can put it in logical, interesting or commanding language, is always placed at a great disadvantage. I know a businessman who has cultivated the art of conversation to such an extent that it is a great treat to listen to him. His language flows with such liquid, limpid beauty. His words are chosen with such exquisite delicacy, taste, and accuracy. There is such a refinement in his diction that he charms everyone who hears him speak. All his life he has been a reader of the finest prose and poetry, and has cultivated conversation as a fine art. You may think you are poor, and have no chance in life. You may be situated so that others are dependent upon you, and you may not be able to go to school or college or to study music or art. You may be tied down to an iron environment. You may be tortured with an unsatisfied, disappointed ambition, and yet you can become an interesting talker, because in every sentence you utter you can practice the best form of expression. Every book you read, every person with whom you converse, who uses good English, can help you. Few people think very much about how they are going to express themselves. They use the first words that come to them. They do not think of forming a sentence, so that it will have beauty, brevity, transparency, power. The words flow from their lips helter-skelter, with little thought of arrangement or order. Now and then, we meet a real artist in conversation, and it is such a treat and delight that we wonder why the most of us should be such bunglers in our conversation, that we should make such a botch of the medium of communication between human beings, when it is capable of being made the art of arts. I have met a dozen persons in my lifetime who have given me such a glimpse of its superb possibilities that it has made all other arts seem comparatively unimportant to me. I was once a visitor at Wendell Phillips' home in Boston, and the music of his voice, the liquid charm of his words, the purity, the transparency of his diction, the profundity of his knowledge, the fascination of his personality, and his marvellous art of putting things, I shall never forget. He sat down on the sofa beside me, and talked as he would to an old schoolmate, and it seemed to me that I had never heard such exquisite and polished English. I have met several English people who possessed that marvellous power of soul in conversation, which charms all who come under its spell. Mrs. Mary A. Livermore, Julia Ward Howe, and Elizabeth S. P. Ward had this wonderful conversational charm, as has ex-president Eliot of Harvard. The quality of the conversation is everything. We all know people who use the choicest language 
and express their thoughts in fluent, liquid diction, who impress us by the wonderful flow of their conversation. But that is all there is to it. They do not impress us with their thoughts. They do not stimulate us to action. We do not feel any more determined to do something in the world, to be somebody, after we have heard them talk, than we felt before. We know other people who talk very little, but whose words are so full of meat and stimulating brain force that we feel ourselves multiplied many times by the power they have injected into us. In olden times, the art of conversation reached a much higher standard than that of today. The deterioration is due to the complete revolution in the conditions of modern civilization. Formerly, people had almost no other way of communicating their thoughts than by speech. Knowledge of all kinds was disseminated almost wholly through the spoken word. There were no great daily newspapers, no magazines or periodicals of any kind. The great discoveries of vast wealth in the precious minerals, the new world opened up by inventions and discoveries, and the great impetus to ambition have changed all this. In this lightning express age, in these strenuous times, when everybody has the mania to attain wealth and position, we no longer have time to reflect with deliberation and to develop our powers of conversation. In these great newspaper and periodical days, when everybody can get for one or a few cents the news and information which it has cost thousands of dollars to collect, everybody sits behind the morning sheet or is buried in a book or magazine. There is no longer the same need of communicating thought by the spoken word. Oratory is becoming a lost art for the same reason. Printing has become so cheap that even the poorest homes can get more reading for a few dollars than kings and noblemen could afford in the Middle Ages. It is a rare thing to find a polished conversationalist today. So rare is it to hear one speaking exquisite English and using a superb diction that it is indeed a luxury. Good reading, however, will not only broaden the mind and give new ideas, but it will also increase one's vocabulary, and that is a great aid to conversation. Many people have good thoughts and ideas, but they cannot express them because of the poverty of their vocabulary. They have not words enough to clothe their ideas and make them attractive. They talk around in a circle, repeat and repeat, because when they want a particular word to convey their exact meaning, they cannot find it. If you are ambitious to talk well, you must be as much as possible in the society of well-bred, cultured people. If you seclude yourself, though you are a college graduate, you will be a poor converser. We all sympathize with people, especially the timid and shy, who have that awful feeling of repression and stifling of thought when they make an effort to say something and cannot. Timid young people often suffer keenly in this way in attempting to declaim at school or college. But many a great orator went through the same sort of experience when he first attempted to speak in public 
and was often deeply humiliated by his blunders and failures. There is no other way, however, to become an orator or good conversationalist than by constantly trying to express oneself efficiently and elegantly. If you find that your ideas fly from you when you attempt to express them, that you stammer and flounder about for words which you are unable to find, you may be sure that every honest effort you make, even if you fail in your attempt, will make it all the easier for you to speak well the next time. It is remarkable, if one keeps on trying, how quickly he will conquer his awkwardness and self-consciousness, and will gain ease of manner and facility of expression. Everywhere we see people placed at a tremendous disadvantage because they have never learned the art of putting their ideas into interesting, telling language. We see brainy men at public gatherings, when momentous questions are being discussed, sit silent, unable to tell what they know, when they are infinitely better informed than those who are making a great deal of display of oratory or smooth talk. People with a lot of ability, who know a great deal, often appear like a set of dummies in company, while some superficial, shallow-brained person holds the attention of those present simply because he can tell what he knows in an interesting way. They are constantly humiliated and embarrassed when away from those who happen to know their real worth because they cannot carry on an intelligent conversation upon any topic. There are hundreds of these silent people at our national capital, many of them wives of husbands who have suddenly and unexpectedly come into political prominence. Many people, and this is especially true of scholars, seem to think that the great desideratum in life is to get as much valuable information into the head as possible. But it is just as important to know how to give out knowledge in a palatable manner as to acquire it. You may be a profound scholar, you may be well read in history and in politics, you may be wonderfully well posted in science, literature and art, and yet if your knowledge is locked up within you, you will always be placed at a great disadvantage. Locked up ability may give the individual some satisfaction, but it must be exhibited, expressed in some attractive way, before the world will appreciate it or give credit for it. It does not matter how valuable the rough diamond may be. No explaining, no describing its marvels of beauty within and its great value would avail. Nobody would appreciate it until it was ground and polished and the light let into its depths to reveal its hidden brilliancy. Conversation is to the man what the cutting of the diamond is to the stone. The grinding does not add anything to the diamond. It merely reveals its wealth. How little parents realize the harm they are doing their children by allowing them to grow up ignorant of or indifferent to the marvelous possibilities in the art of conversation. In the majority of homes, children are allowed to mangle the English language in a most painful way.
nothing else will develop the brain and character more than the constant effort to talk well intelligently interestingly upon all sorts of topics there is a splendid discipline in the constant effort to express one's thoughts in clear language and in an interesting manner we know people who are such superb conversers that no one would ever dream that they have not had the advantages of the higher schools many a college graduate has been silenced and put to shame by people who have never even been to a high school but who have cultivated the art of self-expression the school and the college employ the student comparatively a few hours a day for a few years conversation is a training in a perpetual school many get the best part of their education in this school conversation is a great ability discoverer a great revealer of possibilities and resources it stimulates thought wonderfully we think more of ourselves if we can talk well if we can interest and hold others the power to do so increases our self-respect our self-confidence no man knows what he really possesses until he makes his best effort to express to others what is in him then the avenues of the mind fly open the faculties are on the alert every good converser has felt a power come to him from the listener which he never felt before and which often stimulates and inspires to fresh endeavor the mingling of thought with thought the contact of mind with mind develops new powers as the mixing of two chemicals often produces a new third substance to converse well one must listen well also hold oneself in a receptive attitude we are not only poor conversationalists but we are poor listeners as well we are too impatient to listen instead of being attentive and eager to drink in the story or the information we have not enough respect for the talker to keep quiet we look about impatiently perhaps snap our watch play a tattoo with our fingers on a chair or a table hitch about as if we were bored and were anxious to get away and interrupt the speaker before he reaches his conclusion in fact we are such an impatient people that we have no time for anything excepting to push ahead to elbow our way through the crowd to get the position or the money we desire our life is feverish and unnatural we have no time to develop charm of manner or elegance of diction we are too intense for epigram or repartee we lack time nervous impatience is a conspicuous characteristic of the american people everything bores us which does not bring us more business or more money or which does not help us to attain the position for which we are striving instead of enjoying our friends we are inclined to look upon them as so many rungs in a ladder and to value them in proportion as they furnish readers for our books send us patients clients customers or show their ability to give us a boost for political position 
before these days of hurry and drive before this age of excitement it was considered one of the greatest luxuries possible to be a listener in a group surrounding an intelligent talker it was better than most modern lectures than anything one could find in a book for there was a touch of personality a charm of style a magnetism which held a superb personality which fascinated for the hungry soul yearning for an education to drink in knowledge from those wise lips was to be fed with a royal feast indeed but today everything is touch and go we have no time to stop on the street and give a decent salutation it is how do or morning accompanied by a sharp nod of the head instead of by a graceful bow we have no time for the graces and the charms everything must give way to the material we have no time for the development of a fine manner the charm of the days of chivalry and leisure has almost vanished from our civilization a new type of individual has sprung up we work like trojans during the day and then rush to a theater or other place of amusement in the evening we have no time to make our own amusement or to develop the faculty of humor and fun-making as people used to do we pay people for doing that while we sit and laugh we are like some college boys who depend upon tutors to carry them through their examinations they expect to buy their education ready-made life is becoming so artificial so forced so diverse from naturalness we drive our human engines at such a fearful speed that our finer life is crushed out spontaneity and humor and the possibility of a fine culture and a superb charm of personality in us are almost impossible and extremely rare one cause for our conversational decline is a lack of sympathy we are too selfish too busily engaged in our own affair and wrapped up in our own little world too intent upon our own self-promotion to be interested in others no one can make a good conversationalist who is not sympathetic you must be able to enter into another's life to live it with the other person to be a good listener or a good talker walter besant used to tell of a clever woman who had a great reputation as a conversationalist though she talked very little she had such a cordial sympathetic manner that she helped the timid and the shy to say their best things and made them feel at home she dissipated their fears and they could say things to her which they could not say to anyone else people thought her an interesting conversationalist because she had this ability to call out the best in others if you would make yourself agreeable you must be able to enter into the life of the people you are conversing with and you must touch them along the lines of their interest no matter how much you may know about a subject if it does not happen to interest those to whom you are talking your efforts will be largely lost it is pitiable sometimes to see men standing around at the average reception or club gathering dumb almost helpless and powerless 
to enter heartily into the conversation because they are in a subjective mood they are thinking 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 business 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 thinking how they can get on a little faster get more business more clients more patients or more readers for their books or a better house to live in how they can make more show they do not enter heartily into the lives of others or abandon themselves to the occasion enough to make good talkers they are cold and reserved distant because their minds are somewhere else their affections on themselves and their own affairs there are only two things that interest them business and their own little world if you talk about these things they are interested at once but they do not care a snap about your affairs how you get on or what your ambition is or how they can help you our conversation will never reach a high standard while we live in such a feverish selfish and unsympathetic state great conversationalists have always been very tactful interesting without offending it does not do to stab people if you would interest them nor to drag out their family skeletons some people have the peculiar quality of touching the best that is in us others stir up the bad every time they come into our presence they irritate us others allay all that is disagreeable they never touch our sensitive spots and they call out all that is spontaneous and sweet and beautiful lincoln was master of the art of making himself interesting to everybody he met he put people at ease with his stories and jokes and made them feel so completely at home in his presence that they opened up their mental treasures to him without reserve strangers were always glad to talk with him because he was so cordial and quaint and always gave more than he got a sense of humor such as lincoln had is of course a great addition to one's conversational power but not everyone can be funny and if you lack the sense of humor you will make yourself ludicrous by attempting to be funny a good conversationalist however is not too serious he does not deal too much with facts no matter how important facts statistics weary vivacity is absolutely necessary heavy conversation bores too light disgusts therefore to be a good conversationalist you must be spontaneous buoyant natural sympathetic and must show a spirit of goodwill you must feel the spirit of helpfulness and must enter heart and soul into things which interest others you must get the attention of people and hold it by interesting them and you can only interest them by a warm sympathy a real friendly sympathy if you are cold distant and unsympathetic you cannot hold their attention you must be broad tolerant a narrow stingy soul never talks well a man who is always violating your sense of taste of justice and of fairness 
never interests you. You lock tight all the approaches to your inner self. Every avenue is closed to him. Your magnetism and your helpfulness are thus cut off, and the conversation is perfunctory, mechanical, and without life or feeling. You must bring your listener close to you, must open your heart wide, and exhibit a broad, free nature and an open mind. You must be responsive, so that he will throw wide open every avenue of his nature and give you free access to his heart of hearts. If a man is a success anywhere, it ought to be in his personality, in his power to express himself in strong, effective, interesting language. He should not be obliged to give a stranger an inventory of his possessions in order to show that he has achieved something. A greater wealth should flow from his lips and express itself in his manner. No amount of natural ability or education or good clothes, no amount of money will make you appear well if you use poor English. End of chapter 17 If you can talk well Recording by Luke Sartor Brisbane, Queensland